Welcome to the Homeschool High School podcast, brought to you by SevenSistersHomeschool.com and the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. I'm Vicki, and I'm here all by myself today to talk about scheduling the high school year. I Sometimes we get this question and it sounds like boring, but it's really, really important to lifestyle. So as you know, there's not one right way to homeschool high school. And so you'll find as you talk to more and more homeschool families, there's a lot of different ways to handle the scheduling of the year. So we're going to talk about three basic ways to schedule the year. And what you might find is you pick one of those and it works really well. And then you might toss it and do something else. or you might mix them. It doesn't matter because you get to do what's best for your family when you're homeschooling high school. That's why we're doing this thing. So um, we want to have fun with it. So give yourself permission to explore, be creative, mix and match, whatever works for you guys. So, all right, let's, let's get started. So there are three basic-ish ways to schedule the high school year. You know, when, when you've got kids, it doesn't matter so much what you do. But as you've got your high schooler and you're keeping records and paperwork for your transcripts, sometimes it's much more important to have like an official schedule. So this, these are the three ways that we're going to explore and talk a little bit about. So the first is a two-semester year. So you have blocks of 15 or 18 weeks in the fall and in the winter and spring, another 15 or 18 weeks. And that makes a two-semester school year. So it's very similar to what you know, kids who are college-bound um, or going to a trade school may end up with semester blocks, and that is good. Now, sometimes you'll run into trimesters or quarters, like do what you want. <laughs> it's okay. Another way to schedule a high school year is by doing block schedules. And so we will talk more about that. But what it is, is you just choose one or two courses rather than the full academic load. And you knock out those courses, then take on the next two. So um, we'll we'll talk about more on how you do that and make sure everything gets done by the end of the year. All right. And then the third way that's common for homeschooling high school is a year-round approach. And so we'll talk about how you make a year-round academic year uh, without burning up your team's brains and bodies. So, okay, I want to start with the, the last one and work backwards because I think it's simpler. And uh, so we'll get the simple ones out of the way and then go to the semesters last. So, all right, let's talk about year-round schooling. Um, so if we're going to homeschool our high schoolers year round, what you want to do is think about how to make education all of life. So you're factoring all of life in. And so rather than just cramming all the academics in part of the year, you're bringing life in and mixing academics so that you do some academics through the year, but also some of the richness that we can do as homeschooling all through the year. So some families, what they do in year round homeschooling is they may do their classwork. So their academic things, their textbooks and their reading and all that, they'll work on those things three days a week. And then they have a long weekend, like two days a week 
um, for extracurriculars. And that means family trips, you know, so if you got families um, that are doing road schooling, um, so they got days for travel and field trips, or you're just a family that likes to field trip, um, you got more time for that. Um, if there are teens who are doing a lot of competitions like gymnastics or, or swimming and they're doing a lot of travel, um, sometimes year-round homeschooling is better because they have blocks of time to do those extracurriculars that are very time-consuming. Another thing that we've seen some homeschoolers do is they're very, very involved in service, so especially maybe some international trips. Um, and so if they're doing a lot of service, volunteer-oriented things, um, working on that year-round schedule gives them more time. They can do chunks of, of service time during the year, so which leads to another way to schedule year-round homeschooling, and that is a five-day-a-week um, academics with a full week off each quarter all through the year. And that gives them time for these, you know, ongoing service projects or um, lots of travel. So it looks like, you know, a lot of times uh, five days a week. So it looks like kind of a normal academic rhythm, but there's these frequent one weeks off and that's scattered out through the year. So for teens who really need a break and need to change things up, this is a really, really good schedule. So in the show notes, I will put links to our friend Misty's site. She has the year-round homeschooling website, and she has lots of ideas that she shares from her family's experience doing that year-round schooling uh, format. So year-round schooling is three days a week with two days off each week doing the special things or five days a week with one week off each quarter or so. Um, and that's that way to keep things rolling. All right, so that's year-round homeschooling. Then if we go backwards then again, we can talk about block scheduling. All right, so block scheduling is where you take one or two courses and you knock those out and then go on to the next one or two courses. And this is a really, really good way for teens who just like to do one thing at a time and plug through. So they don't want to have, you know, an hour of math and an hour of, um, you know, writing and an hour of this and an hour of that. Um, they want to sit down with one topic, you know, like work through their history textbook or work through their science textbook and get it done and then move on to the next thing. Um, so all, all teens are different and some are just that way. They just can't do the scattered, I mean, an, an hour of math and an hour of science is not going to work. Um, so for those families, you take that one or two courses and then you do a regular five day a week schedule, but you do it until that course is done. So very often teens who are working that way because they're working on one or two subjects every day, uh, what you'll find is that you'll, you'll break things up into, you know, five weeks for this course, five weeks for this course, um, or seven weeks for this course or two, or 10 weeks, you know, for a more intense course. And so yeah, yeah, like you just put in your schedule. This month is going to be about, you know, math and this month is going to be about science or these seven weeks are going to be about math. These are going to be about science. And you write that out in your plans. And that way, you know, like, OK, this is these are we're not just ignoring the rest of the academics, 
Um, we're just getting them done in this way. What you will find is some courses may need to be done through the year. Um, for some students, the English language arts credit is so big, they need to have an hour of that each day plus then their block courses. So you know your teens, you know how they need to work. And, uh, but that one in particular, I have seen just needs to kind of be ongoing just because it's such a big credit. Um, but not one right way to homeschool high school. So do what's right for you. If you have friends who have kids in the high school setting in the traditional schools right now, what you'll see is some schools are doing the block scheduling um, and they have found that it's easier on the teachers and easier on the students. Um, so that works for them. It doesn't work for all teams because they're all different. Okay, so there's year-round homeschooling. There's block scheduling. And then the more traditional approach, which <clears throat> sounds a little more cumbersome, uh, is that two-semester schedule. But it's just, you know, the, this is how a lot of homeschool families do it. This is how, you know, we handled homeschooling with our teens. So what, what my particular family has preferred to do is we will do a 30-week school year and then have two or three weeks at the end of the year to wrap off loose ends or um, go on a big field trip that we can count as academics. And so that 30-week that year with two 15-week semest semesters is what has worked for our family. A lot of people uh, prefer a 32-week or a 36-week school year that they break into those um, semesters. And that's, that's not one right way. It's what you want to do is make sure that you are just having enough days of academics um, that it's meeting your state requirements. So, you know, a lot of states require 180 days of, of instruction. And uh, so for us, you know, we didn't have 180 days of a textbook cracked open. We were counting field trips and service and the, the enrichment kind of things that make an awesome transcript and a good education. So, okay, so, we're, so let's go back two semesters, all right? And then I wanna get down to some practicalities here in developing that schedule. So if we're doing a two semester schedule, here's some ways to pull that down to the nitty gritty. So the first thing we wanna do is to get a, a planner out. So I, I highly recommend planners. For me, I use a, a calendar and that's my planner. Um, and uh, that just, that's, that's what works for me. Everybody has different things. So our friend Melanie Wilson at uh, the Psycho with Six website um, is, has these marvelous planners. A lot of our friends actually create planners and whatever works for you is good. But if you have some kind of planner, write down your school year on that, that planner or calendar. So the first thing we would do is if we know ahead of time um, some things that we want to do for creative education. So that would be field trips. Um, so if we knew there were specific field trips or family trips that we were going to take, we would go ahead before the school year started and get those on the calendar. So those then were official education days. They were just adapted school days. Um, so we weren't doing textbooks. We were doing creative stuff. Um, in the holiday season, 
um, we would put some adaptive school days. Um, and so on those days, we would do um, like creative crafts and uh, the special readings and projects and things that we wanted to do towards the holidays and all the, the you know Christmas crafts and planning and baking and stuff. And a lot of that we could log as um, creative stuff for the transcript in one form or the other. So those would be going right on the calendar. And we, we're um, counting all of life as education there. And so we could, we, it's not like lost time. So I'll put links to some of the activities that we do on um, in Christmas season that we counted as school stuff. So we did some creative science stuff and some creative history stuff and um, lots of craft stuff. So I'll put a link there. All right. And then we also put major events that we know are coming up. So if, uh, you know, everybody's birthday goes on there, if, you know, so-and-so is having a surgery that goes on there. Um, if there's a wedding upcoming and you, we know we're going to have to have a few days of you know, bringing family in or traveling, we put those in there. And on those days, those are days off school. Or um, if there's something adapted learning we can do, like I don't know, wedding planning, um, practicing social skills on relatives, um, whatever, we, we can count some of that time. Um, but a lot of times we just those would be scheduled days off. So those go up on the calendar ahead of time. All right. And then we add to the calendar the things that will be in rhythm, you know, through each of the various semesters. So if your teen is taking co-op classes, um, you know, the umbrella school group classes, if you know they're going to be taking some dual enrollment courses, if you know the, the days, especially the, you know, the in-person days, um, or any other commitments that are going to be happening on a regular basis, put those on the calendar, put them in there before the year even starts. And that way it's everything that we know we're going to have to work around is in there. And it's, we're not having to panic at the last moment. So, all right, got all that. And then you decide looking at your teen's schedule for the year. So, you know, uh, what what courses they'll be taking over the year. Um, and if you're, you know, if you're not there yet and you need some help with planning um, what courses to take when, uh, I'll put links in the show notes to the Seven Sisters Authoritative Guide to Planning Homeschool High School, you know, what to take when kind of rhythm. And it is a our blog post. It's not something you're paying money for. Um, although we do, I'll put links for a planning guide that you can download for a couple of uh, bucks to, um, to help get you through. Because, you know, sometimes we need a little bit of like planning out what courses are when. All right. But once you get that down, um, then you go, which of those courses are one semester courses? Okay. If it's one semester course, will it be a fall semester or a winter spring semester course? And then you get those on the, the calendar. Then pulling it down to nitty gritty, then you take the courses that teens are going to be doing at home with you and on their own, and they are, are going to be, um, you know, a weekly, a daily kind of course. Then you sit down and you break 
and you know how many days a week does this really need to cover? Like Seven Sisters writing guides, if you're working through one of those, those generally we have the teens work four days a week. And then they get that fifth day off um, unless they're doing the research paper, which tends to be kind of cumbersome and takes time. Um, but for most of the writing projects, four days a week. And then they've got that last day to catch up on things that they might be behind on um, or work on some things of their own interest. And so we found that that for writing is a really good rhythm um, for our teens so that they're not burning out on writing projects. So that works for us, you know, and every team is different. So you do what's right for your teens. So we know that writing projects are four days a week, um, unless it's research paper. And then other courses like math courses, that's going to usually be four or five days a week. And so you break down each of the subjects and say, how many days a week are we going to work on that on the days we don't already have something scheduled? And then plop those in your calendar or planner. And then you know what to, to, you need to work with your teens, what they need to, to um, be expecting themselves to do. All right. Um, another thing that's usually five days a week is their reading or their literature, um, because there's a lot of that in the language arts. All right. So our kids' math is usually four or five days a week. Science is usually four to five days a week. The social studies classes are usually four or five days a week. World languages um, really, really should be four or five days a week. The, the frequent shorter times, especially with world languages, um, is better than a, you know, long chunk um, one day a week. And then the things like phys ed and fine arts, um, various electives may just be once a week, you know, or they might be, you know, three days a week. So you work with your team. And you say, you know, how many hours for this year do we want to get in phys ed? Do you want a full credit? You want a half credit? Um, and then you figure out how many days a week you want to do phys ed and for how long you, you want to do, you know, like uh, we had one of our students, one of our, our friends, uh, their son just didn't care about phys ed, but he had to have in those days a one credit to graduate high school. It was just a, a Delaware requirement. And so he did 15 hour, fifteen minutes a day, um, uh, five days a week um, of walking or doing some kind of physical activity. So five days a week, 15 minutes a day for a quarter credit a year. And then over four years, he got his full credit. And that's, that worked for him. Okay, so that's, that's not one right way to do it. And so you sit down then with your teen. It really helps to have your teen and say, how many days a week do you think is going to work with, for you? How big a block of time? And then you're going to follow that up on another day. Don't, don't try to do everything with a teen in one setting. You know, sit down, and talk with them about time management and have their own personal study schedule um, so that they kind of go into a school year with their their study caps on, you know, like what's going to work for me. And uh, they're not trying to figure it out as the year is already starting, like they go in intentional and empowered. So talk it out. What do you think you would like to work on each day? You know, what what how long do you think? you're willing to read each day, you know, how long do you want to spend on math each day? So, and then have them work out their own 
time management schedule. This is a really good time with teens to give them a chance to start developing a vision, you know, to set goals for themselves. And so, you know, when it's planning time, this is a good time to work with teens on smart goals. Like, do you have something you really, really want to learn about or experience or um, something that just really is, is capturing your thought and interest? Um, then you can set some smart goals and get that in the schedule. So uh, maybe you have a goal to get an A in math this year. Okay. Well, then how can we develop smart goals? So those are specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound goals and uh, help them to, to write a goal. You know, Habakkuk 2.2 says you write the vision and make it clear and then those who read it can run with it. And so teens with a written goal can really, really um, feel inspired and empowered to work on those goals. Isn't that the coolest thing? So Seven Sisters has a freebie download on SMART goals. And uh, it's it's a really helpful thing for teens. So, all right. Well, that's, that is enough to get you started. Hey, please join us on the Seven Sisters Homeschool Facebook group. You know, it's the number seven. Sisters Homeschool all squished together in one word. Um, Seven Sisters Homeschool is on threads now, so you can find us there. And of course, Pinterest, like, uh, you know, Pinterest is one of our favorite places to go hang out because there's all kind of creative, fun stuff there for homeschool high school families. All right. So ask us questions in any of those places. Um, especially the Facebook group is a great time um, to share questions because your seven sisters are going to share what they think, you know, what's working for them. And so you're learning from each other because we are all in this thing together. And, you know, there's six of us, seven sisters. So there's me and Sabrina and Kim and Sarah and Allison and Marilyn. That's six. Who's the seventh sister? You are. So thanks for being our seventh sisters. And we look forward to seeing you next week. All right. This has been the Homeschool High School Podcast brought to you by sevensistershomeschool.com and the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. See y'all later. Bye.